0: Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics. Happy Thanksgiving and Black Friday. It's EJ here with you. And yeah, as
1: always, it's Steve. Uh, yeah, it took a little hiatus. There was a little bit of uh, an illness related scheduling uh, glitches the last couple weeks, but we're back again. You can't get rid of us that easily. Now,
0: illness, travel, holidays, general overwhelmedness from all of the news and the nuance around it exactly everything that's going on so welcome back glad to have you uh, here with us Uh, today we're at uh, revolution tap room on Kedzie here in chicago we'll talk a bit more about that later but very excited to be here yep it's a nice thing about being on a friday we can uh try pretty much anywhere yeah everybody's open
1: in the afternoon so not too crazy yet you can probably hear us okay so see how it goes so lots, lots has happened.
0: You know, obviously we're going to talk about the impeachment, but we want to oh, make sure. Oh, are you sure? I, I, I think we should. Okay. I think we should. You know, I think, why think it's still news. Uh, but maybe we want to start with uh, what is the rotating list of people who are in Trump's orbit, but this time the Secretary of the Navy.
1: Yeah. So uh, if you hadn't heard, uh, Trump has been, had a bit of a thing about, Uh, A member of the Navy, who was a Navy SEAL, Uh, this is uh, Gallagher. And uh, I'm not going to get into the details of the case, but basically his own uh, SEAL team turned him in. He was being prosecuted. He managed to get it off on most of the charges, but was still, you know, subject to uh, he had been convicted, uh, and they were trying to figure out what to do about his rank and all of that sort of stuff. And Trump consistently has been trying to stick his nose in it. Uh, Secretary of the Navy, Richard Spencer, decided that he was going to push back on that and try to sort of stop Trump from interfering and uh, got himself fired.
0: Yeah, in a really interesting set of circumstances, because it wasn't clear why he was fired in the end and what the lines of communication were, because Secretary of Defense, Mike Espy, I almost said Mike Espy, as if he's the Secretary of Defense. You know, his claim was like, well, Spencer went behind his back and talked directly to the president, and you can't go outside of the chain of command. But of course, the president was tweeting things. Are those tweets commands? This has been, I think, one of the big lines of conversation that I've seen is, what constitutes a command from the commander-in-chief?
1: Well, and this sort of follows the standard pattern of Trump does something he shouldn't be doing. And somebody else gets in trouble or on process grounds. Like, that's what they attack on. Like, oh, they just didn't do it the right way. Right. Like, no, like, Trump didn't do this the right way, and what he's doing is far more, has far more negative consequences right. to the way that the military operates than anything that Richard Spencer's doing.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Donald Trump, who's always kind of said he is a big supporter of the military and wants people to know that he loves the military. You know, has given them all the money, has served in the... uh, No, no, no. Sorry, his personal Vietnam was STDs. Right, yes. You know, made a big show of coming out and saying that he was commuting two sentences and making sure that Gallagher could retire with honors and rank. Uh, So another case there was uh, uh, this guy Lawrence, who had been convicted of shooting unarmed civilians in Afghanistan. Convicted... By a jury, and then his appeal denied. And,
1: and this is a military system. jury, let's right. be clear. It's not like this is just like some random civilians who are judging him harshly because he's the military. No, right. these are like people in the military who are making these judgments. Yeah. So, you know, the the sort of,
0: if you read some of the military websites and whatnot, very few people agree with these decisions. It, it's, it's really interesting to me to see that the people who seem to agree most are people who have nothing to do with the military.
1: Oh, of course. But they do love Trump, so,
0: you know. They do love Trump. And I know you You grew up in a military family. I don't know how...
1: Kinda. I mean, my dad was, by the time I was alive, my dad was in the, you know, he was flying for United Airlines at that point, so. Got it. I don't have a strong sense of that kind of, you know, it's not like I was moving from base to base or any of that kind of stuff, so. But it's still, you know, to me,
0: you know, we end up in another situation where, you know, Donald Trump is getting rid of essentially people who have been confirmed through Congress. And who knows who's going to be the next acting secretary of the Navy. Right. You know, is does he appoint
1: that or is it does a person get promoted from within the ranks? Of, I don't know.
0: No, it's a the secretary of the Navy is a confirmed position. OK, so they so have he to be appointed. To oh,
1: great. Well, good, good d- it would be a confirmed position, except it's Trump, so it'll be an unconfirmed position. Right.
0: We'll have an acting secretary of the Navy for... Forever. Right. Advise and consent. Advise and consent, right. people. So, a lot has happened around impeachment. And, uh, you know, there have been so many lines and sublines here. Yes. You know, so we've had the top lines of what's sort of taken place that everybody's seen we have all of the subplots in terms of what's up with the different characters involved. Could it be a you know, a Sondlin, his new, his new things that have come out? Could it be the uh, Giuliani or even the Congress people? So which way do you want to take it?
1: Do you want to talk about the subplots? Well, yeah. Let's, let's 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 kind of like I want to talk about Sondland first, just because like he played a lot of a role in the in the previous round of impeachment. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, we've got the next round coming up next week. But um, and and fundamentally, this has nothing to do with impeachment. It just kind of like gives you a sense of the kind. It's another example of the kind of people that Trump likes to hang out with. So let us recall that uh, Sondland got an, appointed as the EU ambassador by Trump. After he donated a million dollars to, I believe it was Trump. Was it Trump's campaign or just the Republican the Party in general? It was the, the inauguration. inauguration fund. Oh yeah, which that has its own uh, level of corruption. I mean, that,
0: just assume that every shady thing has happened through yeah. the inauguration. And it was like
1: through fund. some like LLCs. I mean, it, it oh, was sure. It was all kinds of questionable. So, yeah. So he did that, um, but while he was in private. Uh, business and he's a hotelier when he's a hotelier which you know of course he would hang out with Trump he's a rich hotelier who apparently was sexually harassing women Uh, he had uh, three women come forward uh, that in varying stories talk about him trying to you know basically physically assault them uh, them rejecting his advances him uh, retaliating it against their rejections. Yeah. Uh, you know, a woman who he was talking about investing in her company brought him in, brought her into a, uh, I believe, it was in a hotel room because he's a hotel. Yay. Right. Uh, Tour the facility. Tried to, you know, like grabbed her, kissed her. She pushed him away, and thus he decided not to invest. Classy guy, and. Nothing about the way that his sort of involvement in impeachment has really suggested he's a classy guy. Where he's done some good has clearly been under pressure to keep his own butt out of prison and out from under uh, any sort of retaliatory measures by Congress for not testifying. So that's Sondland.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's one of those people, and we've talked about this a lot, I, I don't know how to feel about lots of things. Like, ooh, I don't really like somebody who's willing to donate a million dollars to the inauguration fund just to get appointed to something like, I oh, he seems pretty shady, but he's saying some things that I think right. probably help what I like. My in the end. But is he really
1: friend yeah. who is a, a molest woman who is testifying in favor of... <laughs> arming his my enemy i it's very complicated it is very
0: complicated and and of course and i'll say this like i, I get i get quite cynical about it and i want to talk a little bit about you know the news and where things come from but the timing seems rather interesting on all of this oh yeah and you know like my eyes narrow when i see it like i don't i don't honestly doubt it but I also feel like somebody was probably going around looking for people.
1: Well, it does feel like, yeah, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to discredit him, even though this has nothing to do with the credibility of his testimony and everything else. And hey, if want to vet his credibility, let's just release all the documentation that says one way or another how all this played out. Oh, right.
0: right, right. And he'll, and I'm sure that this will come up in terms of impugning his credibility. Yeah. Now that is sort of the pot calling the kettle black. Well, yes. I suppose it's only three women and Donald Trump would be like, Oh, well, if he we were really good, it would have been like 30.
1: Right. Keep trying. I keep, guess. Keep trying. Jesus. OK, uh,
0: so impeachment itself. Yes. Where are we?
1: So uh, we got through the first round of Intelligence Committee uh, hearings, which were very insightful. Lots of good evidence. Lots of great testimony from uh, the deep state, if you will, or you might just call them the state cause that's what they are. Sure. Uh, ambassadors who are in a professional role have served through multiple Republican and democratic administrations all basically saying Trump was doing corrupt stuff. Everybody was in the loop. It, none of it looks good for Trump if you care. So um, who was your favorite witness? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, the 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 British one, Hill. I, what's that? Hill. Yes. 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 yes Fiona yes, yes. Hill. Fiona Hill. Thank you. Yes. I'm like, she was just like so matter of fact, and I loved when she pushed back against uh, the Russian oh. uh, version of all of this. Oh man, that was that fantastic. was just beautiful to watch. Um, also, you know, it's that standard thing of British accents make everything sound much more smart and and well thought out somehow.
0: Yeah, I, I and. And Fiona Hill was my my favorite witness as well. And I, you know, I would note that you know the number of people who are involved with this who are in fact immigrants or children of immigrants is is noteworthy. Oh yeah. So Fiona Hill came to the country, chose to be a citizen, chose to serve in this regard in something that is not easy or necessarily fun you know right and still being questioned called a never trumper and all the right but it was a very i mean across all of the witnesses i really felt that so many stood out for different ways but for me she did drive a lot of things home
1: oh yeah for sure
0: and and we can talk later and i really do want to talk later about how the news has funneled out and been interpreted, interpreted and percolated down through people. But um, yep, yep. So, yeah. yeah,
1: so yeah, so we've gone through them. Now we've gone through that. Now we move on to the judiciary committee. Right. And what's interesting about this is I, you know, I actually just looked this up today because I'm like, I knew the hearings are happening, but I'm like, who's testifying? What's the What's the big dirt we're going to get this time? And it's actually much more about setting up the constitutional argument for impeachment. From what I gather, it's like it's not yeah. about. Um, bringing in new information. It's about how we're going to structure this going forward. What are the things that Trump has done that are impeachable offenses and things like that? So it's going to be, I don't know who's actually testifying. I assume like constitutional scholars, maybe something like that, but it'll be curious to see what that looks like.
0: Yeah. It wasn't clear to me either who's going to be testifying. I know that so intelligence, the intelligence committee is writing a report. Yes, presumably right now. So if you're listening, you're a staffer on the intelligence committee. Thanks for working over the holiday weekend. Also review us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. Yeah, uh, but you know they're writing that report. They're gonna they're gonna ship it over to judiciary, and the rules change in that committee. So different different witnesses could be called. The president himself could have an attorney present.
1: Yes, and apparently Trump has been invited to participate in the process by right. Gerald Nadler, so that'll be fun. Oh, no, he said he's not going to. Oh, weird. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I know he likes being on TV, so I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to show up. Well, maybe he thinks the ratings aren't going to be high enough. Oh. You know, those, they would have pretty damn good ratings, though.
0: <laughs> that should be one of Nadler's arguments. Right. Think about yeah. it, Jerry. All right, uh, there you go. Send him, send him the predicted, the predicted ratings. He
1: won't be able to turn away. Right, exactly. So yeah, so it's not. I suspect it'll probably be a little drier than what we saw in the last set of hearings. And I do wonder, like, what else we might have coming forward in the future. There's two other committees, and I'm forgetting which ones they are that are that have uh, are part of the scope of investigations right now. So there still might be future hearings. I gather, though, that they want to try to wrap this up fairly quickly. Yeah. So
0: yeah, it they feels should.
1: like this is kind of saying, all right, here's all of the evidence. Now it's like, let's talk about the framework of that evidence in relation to impeachment. And then let's get our, our impeachment issued and, and get a vote in. So do you think that
0: some of the, the Mueller report stuff will come back
1: during judiciary? Um... I think that there's – I think where it might come up is establishing a pattern of uh, obstruction, uh, which I think flows through all of this. Yeah. Um, and so, it, I mean, it really depends on whether they want to push on that particular angle or not. Um, if they are more of a thought of we want to just keep it as constrained as possible to, you know, bribery in Ukraine, then, you know, maybe they don't bring that up. Yeah. But – Would you bring it up? Oh, I would, but you know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, throw it uh, all out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's what? I mean, I mean, the reality of it is, is that the Republican Senate isn't is unlikely to vote in favor of conviction at this sure. point. So you may as well get it out there. Um, you know, the only exception being like, all right, there's, um, and we'll get to the well. Um, hell, let's get to this now. Um, we know that uh, Lev Parnas. Has Fraud guarantee. Fraud guarantee. uh, Mafia rave has uh, put together or has taken video and audio and photos of Trump and Giuliani, and those have been given to the Intelligence Committee. I mean, how amazing is that? Well, I don't know is the thing. I mean, like, is he just like, did they just take a selfie and that's the, like, we don't know what implications are I mean, from we that. have all the selfies from Lev Levin Buddies at- Well, that's true. So, yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, but if there's something, like, seriously, like, has enough impact that it might actually sway a few Republican senators, maybe you tailored around that. But if it's just, like, fundamentally just reinforcing what we already know and it's nothing particularly noteworthy, then- Fine, just throw everything in there on the assumption that they're going to vote it down no matter what.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, at the same, you know, by the same token, though, is the jury really the American people? And do the Democrats try to keep the simplest story possible? Well,
1: the jury is. I think the jury is. There's two juries. There's. Republican primary voters who are very hard to persuade jury, and then there's Democratic primary, or Democratic general election voters. Okay. So it's like, for the, for Democratic general election voters, it's basically just like feeding their enthusiasm for coming out to vote against Trump. Like, no matter what issues they may personally have, what candidates they personally like, they're just like, to hell with that guy, I'm coming out to vote. And so... Whatever makes sense to sort of feed that is probably the most important thing at this point.
0: Right. And, you know, we've seen in some polls that like up to 70 percent of Americans seem to think Trump did something wrong here. Right. Now, I will say that looking at the polls and, you know, I'm a numbers guy looking at the polls around impeachment and whatnot, they haven't been as clear cut. Yeah. Um, But also they've been really, really shitty polls. Oh yeah. I mean really, really oh, yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible, terrible polls. They're like we pulled six hundred people and we found the independence in those six hundred people you know, shifted a number of points. You're like and plus or minus minus seventeen percent we right. find. They've moved less than the margin of error. They're like uh, um, so I, I don't know, I kinda read all those polls as being things are people are mostly this is baked in. It's but another
1: one of those things where it's like, how do you ask the question, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, so.
0: and uh, it's hard to get a, a real feel for, for how people feel about impeachment. It's such a drastic thing. Yeah. But we should remember that we're still at 30% higher support for impeachment now than at any time during the hearings with Richard Nixon.
1: Yeah. Now, granted... Richard Nixon bailed out before those really got rolling, but, you know. Well, I
0: mean, as soon as he saw the things change, he— Well, he knew he
1: he didn't have Republican support, is what it came down to, and Trump knows he does. So that's the biggest difference we have between then and now.
0: You know, one of the things that's occurred to me, and I think we talked about it last time, but I keep coming back to this, is how much leverage the Republicans have in the Senate over Democrats— when it comes to how the trial plays out. Oh, yeah. And 2020. Yeah. So...
1: So they might turn it into a circus, so... Well,
0: they don't even have to.
1: Yeah. So imagine that the
0: articles get voted on by the, the House at the end of December. If the trial lasts six weeks... Yeah. Then... 43% 43% of the Democratic candidates for, for president will be in Washington, D.C. between the first of the year and the caucuses in Iowa.
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. And if one was very paranoid and, and thought that the establishment was out to get you, you might think, well, the reason Pelosi finally signed him to impeachment was part of this grand plan to keep Bernie and Warren in the Senate, so Oh they I hadn't even sh- heard that. Yes. Well, that's a good one. Yeah.
0: I like that one. Ah. Um So she could promote
1: Biden? Presumably. All right. I don't know. Um or maybe maybe it's uh Maybe it's some other camp. We can talk about that in election uh, in election circus twenty twenty coming up.
0: Yeah, a little teaser, right? Little teaser. There you go. That.
1: We're getting better at this. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. So let's talk about. I mean, some of the other characters, right? Because yeah. we've got Don McGann. Well, yes. So we've got this court case. We we had a really interesting ruling. I, I, I don't know about really interesting. Let's Wasn't say it was it was it was,
1: it was not a surprising ruling. Right. Uh, it had one really good quote in it of, of the judge saying, "Presidents are not kings." Right. And making clear, as the founders did, that the president is subject to Congress and that they have the right to have these hearings and the right to bring these people forth to testify. So uh, yeah, so Don McGann of the Mueller report. So we're on a totally separate line of impeachment. But, but uh, still, but, but still, an important, important But you know, it's it's gonna be appealed. Who knows how long the appeal's gonna take. Like. We're not there yet.
0: Yeah, and it it feels like one of the things that ruling does is that it does give some cover almost to anybody, maybe like John Bolton, if you're listening. John Bolton, review us on iTunes. You know, he could come forward and say, look, there was this ruling by a judge that said we have to testify. Now, I thought the interesting part of that was the judge kind of said, like, you could still go in there and say it's executive privilege. Right. But you can't not show up. Yeah, That was the, the big thing.
1: Well, the big this is thing the thing about it is like you can basically sort of legally filibuster all of this, right? Because you can say, okay, I'm not going to show up court ruling. I'm not going to show up right. court ruling. Not going to show up court ruling. Finally, you show up and you can say executive privilege. And then they can say, then they take you to court again. And now we're going through that rigmarole. Or do they hold you in contempt? I mean, I think that's the thing is like at some point, Congress has to sort of, Take their own power into their hands and say, "Look, we're holding you in contempt, and we're gonna throw you in the in the huskow, in the in the house." And I mean, that's never gonna happen. I right? know it's never gonna happen. I mean, I, I don't even want it to happen. I do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I
0: didn't live in the United States, maybe I'd want to watch it happen. But I absolutely don't want it to happen. You
1: don't want a Tarantino film being shot in in the basement of the house. As I mean, it'd as be, the as the would it be would it be FBI? Would it be? Uh, U.S. Marshals? Would it be both? I, I, who knows? Secret
0: Service, maybe.
1: They're all in there fighting anybody? it out with anybody. The Sergeant at Arms.
0: I, I, it's just the the guy, right? Because it's just a guy.
1: Well, no, he has the guy has his guys. Has other guys. Probably women too.
0: I don't know. I assume. I don't. I don't,
1: I don't I'm know not what familiar the budget. with any of it.
0: I don't know what the budget is. Right for uh, Sergeant at Arms guys. <laughs> Let's look into that. We will look into that before the next. I keep uh, episode. thinking of the
1: He-Man character every time we talk about this. Man at arms, like, wow, by the power of Grayskull, right? Okay. So anyhow, uh, yeah, so that's not gonna happen. So it doesn't matter. Uh, then we got Nunes. He's a, he's a classy guy as usual. Um, so apparently, there's reports that he was meeting with uh, Victor Shokin, uh, uh, who was the. Was prosecutor. he a prosecutor in Ukraine uh, and basically trying to get him to investigate Biden? And this is yeah. prior to the sort of most recent round of things with the holding of this the is defense. This like May man. of last yeah, year. This of yeah, this is like with the last guy who was in charge Ancient of history. Ukraine. Ancient yes. history. May of last year. Uh, so he's clearly should be in charge of the trials around this because he's an unbiased person and he has no skin in the game. Clearly, Jesus.
0: <laughs> I mean, and then did you see the interview where they're asking him? So did you meet with them? And he's like, "I'm going to sue everybody." That's what I'm going to sue everybody. I'm going to sue you. I'm
1: going to sue the Times. The I hope he New sues York because because filing that lawsuit, the discovery around it would be just beautiful. Nothing but goodness. And you
0: know he's in lawsuits already. Oh yeah, he's suing Twitter. Yeah, to try to find out who the owners of the Devin Nunez's Cow Twitter account yeah. is?
1: I I assume that, provided that Trump doesn't just sort of like have a dictatorial takeover of, of our entire system, that Nunes will be in prison within the next decade. Oh man. I don't know on what, but I know there will be something and he will and be in jail.
0: Have you read so some of my favorite reading this last, you know, this last year or week has been around from the Sacramento Bee. So they're the closest newspaper to Devin Nunez, and they're, like, publishing all of the letters that they get that are essentially, like, people from not in the area saying, how in the hell can you send Devin Nunez to Congress? He is an idiot. Yeah. It has been fantastic. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of the the counters to his lawsuits recently talking about how, you know, him trying to get the identity of the Nunez cow— uh, Twitter account, people saying, like, well, it's clear that bovines do not have the intellect or opposable digits to run a Twitter account. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, Devin Nunez. And, so, and yeah. we haven't even gotten to talk about Jim Jordan, who got subbed in. right? Like They, they called Jim Jordan in like a goon in a hockey game, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's coming in there. It's all rabble. Like, you have no idea what he's saying. He doesn't have any idea what he's saying. It's good TV, though,
1: right? Right. So, in conclusion, in our bleepable moment of the day, f*** Devin Nunes. Yes,
0: absolutely. Fruck Devin Nunes. D- can can we talk a little bit more about, about Giuliani, though?
1: Oh, we can I mean, talk I, I more just, about Giuliani. I, I just, the train wreck that is Rudy everything Giuliani. about him. I
0: mean, first of all, and I think I've said this before, could anybody ever hire him as an attorney ever again? Not legally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't see any, any part of what of his actions that would say to me, like, this would be a good idea well, to it's, hire it's, this guy. It's
1: very clear that he's not acting as an attorney. He's acting as Trump's trusted lieutenant. You know, it's, it's, it's constantly. He's friends with them. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Capo. Like, I don't know what the mafia terms are like, but, uh, your homework is to watch, uh, watch watch Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. yeah, It's constantly seven. And yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: also doing things for
0: himself. Right. So he was trying to negotiate a deal with the former prosecutor so that he got paid. Yeah. To sort of be their representative as a lobbyist, right. Well, that's why he's working for
1: free is he's going to get, like, the money on the side through other channels. So, I, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, he's got, like, I feel like he had this conversation. Trump is like, oh, you want me to investigate this stuff? Cool. No problem. I'll do it for free. I've got other business I'm going to yeah. be there for anyhow. So, no, I'll throw it in for free.
0: Uh, how do you make money? Volume. Yeah. And, and then he goes you know, on TV... And he says, yeah, you know, I'm not worried. I've got insurance on Trump. Yeah. Did he just extort his client, uh, the president, on TV? Like, Maybe. I mean, I'm sure he does. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, oh, no, I was just joking. That was yeah. sarcasm. I, I guess in the end, for me, if we have a way to actually know the truth, get all of the liars in a room, so to speak— and see it all play out?
1: God, I wish we could.
0: <laughs> it, it could only go well yeah. for me. The yeah. entertainment factor alone would be huge.
1: It. So I have an interesting theory. On, on This is probably not true, but it might be true. And I think it would be interesting if it turned out it was true. So here's my theory. Giuliani had business interests in getting rid of Yovanovich completely unrelated to any of this other stuff going on. Because yes. we know that even before Trump was trying to investigate anything, that there was, uh, with Parnas and 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 uh, the sausage king of Ukraine, that they were trying to uh, get rid of her for, for whatever reasons, right? And so my theory is he's going to Trump and floating these conspiracy theories to Trump as part of trying to get Trump to get rid of Yovanovitch.
0: So essentially he's using Trump as air
1: cover. Yes. And that then Trump, with the, now having gotten this in his head, then starts running with it somewhat beyond necessarily what Giuliani had intended and now pushing him to investigate things or whatever else. Okay,
0: so let's take that. Let's, yeah. let's say that that's true.
1: Yes. Cuz it's believable. Yes.
0: Is Trump culpable? Yes. <laughs> I mean, so this is one of the things that I think is really important. If you're listening to our podcast, I, I hope you care about sort of the idea of truth. And if you've seen if you've seen coverage from different news outlets, you will have seen different takes on you know the news and and the testimony and you know some people would kind of say like look you know what we've seen here is a bunch of rogue actors and Donald Trump is totally fine um, which is how mafia bosses work right we've talked about we've talked about similar characters in Illinois politics who oh yeah never talk to people directly they right. always have a fall guy yep and we've also seen Donald Trump recently say, I, I never told Giuliani to go to, to, yeah. go to Ukraine. I, I, don't, I don't even know Sondland. I've never been in that, that
1: White House. If Trump says he doesn't know you, there are selfies of you with Trump. Oh, yeah. I mean, like if you brought up my name to Trump and he said, I don't know who the hell he is. Immediately, out of, like, the ether, selfies would s- begin to oh, exist. Oh, absolutely. At, at some like kind of fundraiser. Some weird physics of the universe. Yeah, maybe
0: Mar-a-Lago. Right. It's the beetle juicing of yes. Donald Trump saying he doesn't yes. know anybody.
1: I, and I, I,
0: I, I, I pivot to that because I think that we're all in a place now where, you know, I said before, 70, 70% of people said that Donald Trump has done something wrong. But what that really means to people is going to depend a lot on where they get their news and and what they consider truth to be. And I think, you know, for us, we're not reporters. I'm not, you know, I'm not flying to D.C., sitting in hearings, trying to get, you know, trying to get interviews with, you know, senators and congressmen. Yeah, he makes me
1: do all that work, actually, so...
0: (laughs) um so you know we obviously get our information from other places so uh, you know i I think it'd be interesting like where do you where do you get your kind of news from
1: yeah well i mean this is the problem that we've had since like the early 2000s like since we started having the rise of fox news um and the sort of fragmentation of media like Back in the back in the olden days, where it was like three TV networks and you yeah. know, and, and every city had a couple newspapers, like most of the news was all kind of one common source, right? right. And They all kind of tended to agree with each other.
0: Well, they all got it from the AP newswire and the
1: right, 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 right. And so, um, it was harder to sort of find that media bubble. And then Fox News comes into being. And then, you know, with the way that the internet now works, where it's like basically your own biases are being reinforced by algorithms, it's like it's a lot easier to sort of like, I'm going to fall off into this little separate part of the universe with my own set of facts and ignore everything else that's going on in reality. And if you watch the hearings and you saw how Nunes and Jordan were talking about what was going on, it had nothing to do with discrediting the witness. No. It had nothing to do with sort of the main channel of facts and the the narrative it was about the process is corrupt why don't we have the whistleblower here biden is corrupt hunter biden right. clearly benefited through ways we have no idea and that makes biden bad and and it was all about that yeah
0: well and i i felt like it was all meant to be soundbiteable
1: by 100%. fox news well and it's interesting Um so I I had the thought of I wanted to see what Fox News, what their take on all this was, just to see. And I considered watching Fox News. But I didn't I don't hate myself that much. So instead I went to Media Matters and caught like some clips that they had extracted from the morass. And it's fascinating to see how differently everything's presented and how, okay, Sondland has exonerated Trump as right. opposed to Sondland has uh, implicated him in everything.
0: Well, and that was, I mean, that is sort of the viral thing that's kind of gone around, where it's the, Sondland says there was definitely a quid pro quo, but well, then he also said, Donald Trump in a later time said no quid pro quo, on a call that nobody can verify, right, right. by the way.
1: Right, well, and there is a there is a nuance of, there. Sondland clearly indicates there's a quid pro quo, What isn't clearly connected is like he clearly ties it back to Giuliani. He's made it clear that Trump told him to work with Giuliani. Yes. So Giuliani, we know is a source of all this. What isn't tied necessarily is that Trump knew what was going on. Now, it's implausible that he didn't know what was going on. But, you know, and so this gets down to like, what do you what's the what's the burden of proof here? Well, it's a political process. So and It's a political process, and it's who's your jury, which gets back to what we're saying about the different right. juries. But
0: we know that people, even in the OMB, have left,
1: have right. resigned because of it. And I think it's like, if you step back from all of this and look at this holistically and look at Trump's pattern of behavior yeah. and look at the acts that happened in his orbit and what the intention of those things are, it's hard to conclude anything other than Trump was directing this to happen, and he was using the power of the government corruptly. Yeah, I, my my take, and I think similar
0: to yours to some extent, is that Trump gets things presented to him in, and he makes decisions in a very short way. So he trusts a few people. Yes. And if Giuliani comes to him and says, you know, this Ivanovich person has got to go, she is whatever, saying bad things about you, yeah. his decision-making process is— She's,
1: she's not hanging your, your uh, picture up in the ambassadorial office. Right. Even though that his own administration
0: did not, send, yeah. did not send a picture for— Right, yes. You know— he it said it took small. her 18 months, but of yeah. course it took them 16 months to send it. But uh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, it took him that long to do the CG to get uh, his weight off to make him look like a prize fighter. So <laughs> somebody says to him, she's got to go. And he trusts that person. And so he just says, she's got to go by any means necessary. Right. And then it's left to acting officials Who you've never met. To
1: interpret what that means. Yeah. So maybe it gets interpreted that she's fired. Maybe somebody interprets it that she's assassinated. Like, I mean, and that's just kind of how it works. Is he like, he sets, he sets clear, he sets it clear what he wants the outcome to be. Right. He just doesn't lay out how to get there. Right. And lets you fill in the blanks. And that's, that's. Once he's again, not a details That's how guy. the mafia operates.
0: Well, and I think you know, he just expects it's going to happen and he's a delegator. It's right. fine. And then he's got he's kind of struck by the position of having to say, "Well, yeah, I'm going to back up that decision that I made even though it was done in a way he doesn't care how it was done." Yeah. Sort of ends justify the means to some extent. Yep. Yeah. I and I think that that is you know the reality is that our world is being run by sort of a very idiosyncratic decision maker and a bunch of people you've never met carrying those those decisions out all right so i need to get another beer right <laughs> i'm not saying
1: this one is gone yeah <laughs> So how about this, how about we take a break, grab you another beer, and then we can talk about the election circus. I love it. All right, I love it. Just uh,
0: as we get started again here, I wanna send a a shout out to Benny Gantz who was not able to form a government. So who the hell knows what's gonna happen in Israel now? So we've talked about him before, I'm really interested in this, I keep track of it. We thought for sure, we we're going to be past the Netanyahu days, but uh, Benny Gantz, who his Blue and White Party had a slight majority after the last election, was not able to form a government. So now somebody else is going to have to do it. Who? Who knows who? Uh, although, also in the interim period, Netanyahu was indicted of corruption charges. So stay tuned. Yes. To yes. the Knesset as the Knesset turns. Yes. Um. And more seriously, Hong Kong,
1: Hong Kong, yeah. Um, so the the protests have continued there. Um, there was there were elections held there that went pretty strongly in favor of sort of the pro yeah. pro protest. I guess. I don't know what exactly the. the I balance mean, it's of kind of pro democracy. Pro democracy. That's a good way to phrase it. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, Trump has decided to sort of. I don't know if so much Trump, but like. As a whole, we're sticking our nose in the business of Hong Kong, and it's not being well received. Yeah, so the Congress passed a law that
0: put a number of things in place that allows the United States to take economic action, essentially, against China or you know, do some things related to Hong Kong. There was a big question about whether or not President Trump would sign this. Remember, he came out and he said, I stand with the protesters and I stand with President Xi, who's a great guy. I love President Xi. He's the best. He's the best guy. I I think Xi's probably had enough of his shit at this point. So So they've been, you know, there was some debate about whether or not he was going to sign it. Then people came back and said, look, if he doesn't sign it, we're going to override the veto. Yeah. Um, He could have done a pocket veto, honestly, because of the timing. Uh, But he signed it, and then, you know, at kind of a time when maybe there's some other trade tensions, but... Yeah. And China came back and was like, hey, I think essentially screw you, Donald Trump. We'll take our own measures.
1: Yeah. Um, So yeah, so China was not thrilled. Um, The quote here from the Chinese Foreign Ministry is, "It is it is a stark hegemonic practice and a severe interference in Hong Kong affairs. Which are China's internal affairs, China will take strong countermeasures. I don't like the notion of Chinese countermeasures. I I, I feel like that's not good. Um, I do like the phrase
0: hegemonic. Yes. You know, well, I'm like, yes. hey, okay, well, that's appreciate that.
1: Um, yeah, and a lot of this, it's important to remember we've got the trade conversations that have been going on with tariffs. There's a deadline approaching on December 15th around all of that. Right. Um, Generally speaking, if you follow the stock market, whenever something seems like it's going badly with China, the stock market tar- starts going down. When it seems like things are better, the stock market goes back up. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, China is pretty sensitive to things like this. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. And and I've said this before and I'll say it again.
0: I Everything you can do we can do people can do to support the pro-democracy movement in hong kong we should be doing yeah i mean it's i don't know 10 weeks now 11 weeks 12 weeks i mean it's just uh, the resilience of the folks who are there is amazing
1: yeah well and you know just astounding one of the things i think it's important to think about is nominally, like our government trying to sort of do some political things to, to say, hey, we're on the side of the protesters, might not be helpful to them. And so we got to keep that in mind is like, if it gives China an excuse to be more aggressive in how they deal with the protesters, um, yeah. there's a there's at least a sense at this point that China has to kind of keep the gloves on to an extent. But if at some point they decide... You know, it's it's yeah, there's a short term cost to to a violent crackdown. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Well,
0: and let's say this, that the protesters by and large have really supported this. So singing the national anthem yesterday. Yeah. Doing a Thanksgiving for USA. Yeah. Now, again, I think what you say is true, but. I think they'll now view the United States as allies and that always goes yeah. well for allies. Yeah. And I, yeah. Right, and Kurds?
1: If, you know, and I will say if, like, ultimately this leads to, you know, democracy being protected within Hong Kong and, and reestablishing kind of the way the relationship between Hong Kong and the main part of China uh, used to work, you know, I would give Trump all the credit in the world for signing those bills. It would be one of the, like, three things he's done right, but, you know... Even a blind squirrel finds the occasional nut. So, there you go. Let's talk about the circus. Talk about the circus. I love the circus. Yeah. So I love the circus. Election Circus 2020. Uh, let's do a polling update. Um, so, Biden still in the lead. He's kind of, if you look at the polls, it's like, They kind of just bounce up and down in the averages. And I think what you're seeing is like, it's really just the different polls and their own sort of metrics and how they do things. And so it just sort of just trends over time. Basically he's flatlined somewhere between 30 and 26%, depending on the model you're looking at. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Warren has trended down. She was up around 26. Um, Since the debate where basically everybody really laid into her and she ended up having to defend Medicare for all a lot. She's trended down since then. She's gone from 26% down to 16%. So she's actually now in third place in the national averages. Sanders has been slowly moving up. Like it's not, it's not a giant leap, but it's like slow progress, which give the guy a break. He had a heart attack. He did have a heart attack. That's true. But, um, you know, looking at it, it's like at this point in time, as you're, you know, we're, we're still a little bit out from Iowa, so maybe it's a good place to be.
0: How many days until Iowa? I don't know. 90, no, 86 days that sounds until right. Iowa?
1: Something like that? Yeah. So, you know, he's still got time. Uh, you know, he's, and ultimately the strategy, you know, of, of Warren and Sanders of, you know, grassroots support and building up the teams on the ground that's something that will tend to amplify as time goes on in theory so in
0: theory i mean it's really interesting
1: oh there we go um, it that's is not re- right <laughs> uh, right now i am watching uh i'm watching ej try to google this he ended up somehow coming up with a ps4 game in his search there you go. He's found it. How many days left? There's a very large article. You're really not Give me doing a well. so, Oh, there we go. Two months, five Two days. Two months, five days. So, 65. 65-ish.
0: 65 days.
1: Depending on how long you think a month is.
0: Uh, there's no truth anymore. We don't even know how long a month is. That's right. Now, I, you know, national polls are interesting at this point, but because the primary cycle is so spread out, you know, I think the individual state polls are a little more interesting. Yeah, um, Iowa. All of a sudden, Buttigieg, he's he's surging in Iowa. He's surging in Iowa. So, why do you think that is?
1: I my assumption is that he's he's presenting a little bit more moderate position, which I think probably appeals to Iowa voters more. Yeah. I think he's got that Midwestern thing going for him. Um, He's the, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't get it, but, you know, I'm not a British Hatch person, so. I mean, he's definitely, he definitely has
0: changed his tack over the last, you know, six weeks or so. You know, he's gotten very, he started attacking, I think, more you know he's attacked Medicare for all as being impractical he's attacked some of the you know free college tuition as being impractical I mean do you think that's the that's where we should be going that's where Democrats should be
1: trying to win people over where I think I do I think that they should be winning over Democrats by saying Medicare for all sucks
0: or that it's (laughs) not entirely practical
1: uh no I think it's a terrible idea. I, I think that, and honestly, I think part of what's hurting Warren is um, her stepping back from Medicare for all. And like, so she got attacked for Medicare for all in the debates and she felt like she needed to sort of like frame up what her real position is yeah. a little bit better. And she talked, so she came out one set of uh, a policy announcement around how to finance it to say basically, hey. I'm not going to raise middle-class taxes, and this is how I would not raise middle-class taxes. Yeah. All right, fine.
0: An extra 4% above $100 billion or yeah. something and like that. And then she comes
1: out with a thing saying, okay, well, now we're going to do it this way, is we're going to pass not Medicare for all, Medicare for some, and then in three years after that, we're going to go for Medicare for all, which if you follow politics, you know his bullshit because— uh, well. Three years is after the midterms. Typically speaking, one loses seats during the midterms, which means passing things in the second, you know, that second part of your term is that much harder. So, how's that different than the
0: Sanders transition to Medicare for All?
1: The Sanders plan would be coming out with the plan at the beginning, making one fight for it. And even if that transition was 10 years, even if that nominally took longer, it's one fight. It's not we fought for this and now we gotta fight again for this after we've already lost support for it.
0: Yeah, so I know, you know, Bernie at a SCIU, you know, town hall in on the East Coast in place, Massachusetts, I think, said, Okay, year one, you know, the the Medicare age is fifty, and year two it's thirty-five. Right. Yep. That still opens you up, I think, to the law being changed by a Congress, although as
1: a president, you could veto that law. Yes, you could. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, which is harder politically, one fight or two? I mean, look at what happened with Obama. Is basically he got the ACA passed, and that was like the last thing he was able to meaningfully do because then he he lost his, his advantage in the Senate, and that was it. I mean, there was, you know, I'm sure there were other things that I'm not thinking about that like little small little pieces here and there, but no flagship, but definitely nothing substantial. And so if you say as a presidential candidate, I will pass this in year three, you're saying I might pass this in my second term. Yeah. At best. And so what I now, to be fair, I think that both Sanders and Warren will struggle to get even the first part of it passed whatever their version of that is but I think that there's a my anxiety when I saw Warren step back from that and, and I'm a we, we've talked about this in podcasts. podcast, I'm a huge fan of Warren, but when I saw her doing that, I'm like, I couldn't honestly make an argument that she was in the same place as Sanders was on Medicare for All, that she was yeah. as committed to it as he is.
0: I, I do feel like she is trying to Navigate some waters
1: here. Well, I think my my sense of it it. is, she saw what Buttigieg was doing, saw the gains he was making, and she basically is saying she's going to give up some of her left flank for her right flank, and I think she's flunking flank.
0: (laughs) It is a funny (laughs) thing, and i I've said this, you know, as I've talked to people. There is so much of the, when you talk about a right flank. Like, if your right flank is, we don't want to give Medicare to everybody, or we don't want to get rid of private insurance, but allow anybody to buy into Medicare that wants to, that's not that right. You know, that, right. You know, like, we don't want to give free college to everybody. Only everybody whose parents make less than a million dollars a year. No. That's not that right, you know, in historical context. Right, and I-
1: for sure. I mean, but I think it's important to bear in mind in all this conversation that we need to think about, like, what is actually going to work? Yeah, yeah. And any plan that isn't immediately committed to universal coverage isn't going to work. It isn't going to make the system substantially better than what we have now. Because what will happen is, you know, we say, all right, we're going to add a few more people to Medicare for All, yep. and then other people are going to buy in. All the private insurance, actually, that's kind of awesome for them because then all these people, they were nominally required to cover now, go into the public system. Those people who are over 50 who are kind yep. of ill, not their problem anymore. So, like, you, if, you're, if you're a health insurance company, judge's plan is actually probably pretty good for you because it's, it's gonna be more profitable even if you're covering yeah. less people.
0: Yeah, better than the alternative, right?
1: Yeah, and so, you know, and I don't, I mean, fundamentally, I don't care whether private insurance companies make money or not on any of this, as long as people are covered and we are controlling costs. And if you come up with a system that says, all right, fine, private insurers are still in the mix, and, but everybody's covered, and your costs are proportional to your income, we're we're in pretty good shape. That's yeah. great, but nobody's I'd planning that right now. No, other than a Medicare for All plan,
0: and that is, I mean, that is something really that we should maybe take some. I would say take some hope from, hopefully, which is that look what we're looking for right now is the most progressive plans, and you know I hope we don't lose the forest for the trees, in sort of attacking people who don't have the single
1: most progressive plans well and i think and i and i think that there is getting caught into purity wars and saying you know who is who is the most progressive like i saw somebody on facebook post who's who's the most progressive member of the squad like what is the point of that conversation like
0: yeah i don't know like, ill omar like didn't there was that one time. Right. That, I know. mean, like,
1: why, why even have that conversation? And so, but I think there's also a value to saying, what is the pragmatic solution, i.e., the one that actually will, and I, and I say pragmatic solution to healthcare, not a pragmatic yeah. solution necessarily politically speaking. Right. Because there's a whole thing about- It is a different thing. Uh, there's about, like, let's give in to the pol- politics of now yeah. rather than fighting for, fighting for a better politics- that gets us to better results. Right. Ah, so, yeah, so uh. I'm uh, I'm not off of the Warren train at this point, but I'm just like, I'm not making the argument anymore. Like, I'm just like, I'm tired of like, trying to defend that she's as progressive as Sanders is on Medicare for all, and, and, and as dedicated to that, I, and, and, I think fundamentally, as a president, she will probably have more success than Sanders does. So I'm still generally Warrenish. Warrenish, but, yeah, it, but you know, but I'm not. I'm not going to go to Iowa and try to knock on doors to say, "Hey, you should go." You should go vote for Warren. Like I can't. I can't make that argument anymore personally. It is what it is. You are the
0: first person I knew to come out for Warren. Yes, very substantially the first person to back off away from her. So,
1: Yeah. And I know a couple other people who are were progressive people who were very strong Bernie sur- supporters in 2016 who have, after she changed on Medicare for All, have been turned off towards her. Wow. So I think it is costing her. I just don't know how much it is relative to yeah. whatever gain she gets on the other side of this. So for the polls, say it's hurting her more than it's helping her. So, I, I will. I, I do want to just talk about
0: Buttigieg for one more minute because well Just because we, you've,
1: you've, we finally learned to pronounce his name, and so we want right. to say it as often as possible. I mean,
0: we've seen his gains, max gains, uh, in Iowa, but nowhere else. This is true. And I think that that is a real question, you know, how sustainable. I mean, clearly he's taking
1: people from Biden. Yeah. I mean, the, the polls kind of show that. Maybe not clearly, but... Well, it looks like he's also taking some... In Iowa, he's taking some support away from Warren, too. I, it, it's less clear that it's coming from
0: Warren. It
1: may just be coincidence of timing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But he's not making gains anyplace else. You know, so, like, you can't win the nomination without strong African-American support. There's no support.
1: Well, this is the thing that gets interesting is can you win the primary without strong African-American support? You can win a primary or two. In Iowa, you can. You can definitely win in Iowa. You can definitely win in New Hampshire. There there are many places you can win. And, I mean, ultimately, that's what happened a lot, I think, in 2016 was Sanders got a lot of support, but he had trouble building his support amongst the African-American populace. And so that... Made it hard for him to catch up and and yeah. be able to beat Clinton. So that that dynamic still nominally exists here, but if he did win the primary, can he win the general election without that support? No. I think he needs the he needs enthusiasm.
0: Yeah, it's it, not it, just it support. can't just be. It's not just support. It's got to be enthusiasm. Right.
1: Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like like, I have no question that that black voters will show up for him if he's the nominee to a point. But is he going to get to the levels of—he's certainly not going to get to the levels of the Obama coalition. No. And you don't need— Who would? You don't need a lot more enthusiasm than Clinton, but you do need more enthusiasm than Clinton had. I mean, and maybe we should just never forget
0: that the second least popular candidate in the history of presidential elections— Yes. —was Hillary Clinton. Yes. Yeah. So—
1: So— it, you can, you may very well be able to, no matter your popularity, be able to beat Trump purely on people, just being like, yeah, F- that guy. And that should happen. <laughs> Marks for beep. Yes, I've, I've realized that I have, I can mark the recordings as we're doing this, so now I know where to go for the beeps instead of having to search through them and hope I don't miss it. <laughs> so we can cuss more. <laughs> So one of the things that I, as NPR likes to say,
0: can't let go of is the Pete Buttigieg supporters' dance to High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Have you seen
1: this? No.
0: You should see it. Okay. It is It is hilarious. Okay. Uh, you know, very enthusiastic, as you might imagine. Um, but if you watch... Uh, if you watch Saturday Night Live, Michael Che on the Weekend Update described this as, you know, the Buttigieg campaign's attempt to go negative on support from the African American community. <laughs> <laughs> and as I've talked to others, they, you know, other people are kind of laughing about it too. Yeah, it is pretty, it is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's been a trying couple of weeks. Yeah, but we're here. We're mid holiday. Yes. Yeah, Christmas lights are up. I'm sure. Of course. Uh, we're at, we are at Revolution Brewing, the tap room and brewery. Yes.
1: And we have talked about coming here more than one occasion. They are not open on Mondays. I think they're not open like a good chunk of the week. Yeah. Uh, but they are in fact open on Fridays, right. and certainly on Black Friday. Yeah. So, uh, And it
0: is a really cool tap room.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good space. Uh, they got one of those big, like, ten-bladed fans circulating yep. air. They've got, the, they've got the barrels aging the beer in the background.
0: They, uh, they've got a shuffleboard table, which I really like. They
1: have one of the truly most civilized things in the world, a popcorn machine. Uh, so you can have some popcorn while you have your beer.
0: Yeah, and food's not served here. You can bring your own food. Yes. Which is really cool. I saw, you know, a couple had gone to Jewel right up the, I'm sorry, Jewels.
1: Right, yes. It is Right up
0: the street and just brought it over. Yeah. There's also a Chipotle there. And then we're
1: sitting, I don't know, 40 feet from the canning operation. Right. If it wasn't Black Friday, this canning operation would probably be doing things. It's
0: really cool, though. It's really cool. And... Uh, of course, all the Revolution beers are good, and they've got all kinds of stuff. I, uh, it's after Thanksgiving, so I had a Fistmas. Good choice. Fistmas is a great, you know, a, a great, you know, great
1: ale. What did you have there? Uh, so I started off with the uh, Drusilla, which right. is a stout with pomegranate. That was quite good. And now I've moved on to the Strawberry Straight Jacket.
0: Jacket. Strawberry Straight Jacket.
1: Yes. Which is a barley wine, so it is clocking in at a mere 13% ABV. Uh, So that should make the Chicago side of our podcast far more entertaining. Yeah,
0: and I've gone the opposite direction. So the last beer that I had was Get a Little, which is what they call a Norwegian Lager, and it's 4%. And it oh. was it was gloriously crisp and good. And I, I go to Norway occasionally, as you do, right? And I know, uh, you know, IPAs are hard to come by in Norway. I, I don't know. This was just a it's really nowhere good beer. near India, and that's where they all come from. And and I will tell you that this is one of those things, and it's happened to me in the past where something has happened, and I've. Really been angry at my previous self. Today is one of those days. Like I can't believe I've never been here.
1: Right? Like I I regret having not come here before. Well and I've never been to their their other tap room. Like I and I don't know how I've not done that. But like like it was like back in the day when they were like very, very busy and like there was like one time I tried and the wait was really long and I'm like, eh, and I'm not usually in that part of town, so I still have not gone there. We'll rectify that. Right?
0: Yeah, on Milwaukee. So if you don't know, Revolution has two places. They've got this tap room here on Kedzie. It's by the brewery Um, in a kind of weird industrial spot. It's between the Kennedy and Addison. Uh, But they also have their brew pub that's down on Milwaukee. Yes. Which is one of my five favorite places in all of Chicago. Food is really good. You can get bacon popcorn. Oh. Nice. How are yeah. the
1: pretzels? Good as okay. well. Good. That's our that's our measure. Of yeah, yeah. So,
0: so uh, really great place. And again, Revolution. I mean, they're they're a fantastic brewery. Been around a long time. Um, can't speak highly enough about
1: them. Come on by. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps us up. Uh, sorry for the long pause in recordings. We're gonna try to catch up. The holidays, obviously, we're gonna screw things up. I imagine, but you know we'll keep going if uh you keep going so we'll keep going all right thanks everybody take care bye bye